Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. As we enter the final week of the season in France, there is still much to play for, with PSG within just one point of top spot going into match day 38, after Etienne offers Sante the rub of the green, with Claude Puel's side getting an unlikely draw at league leaders Lille. The podium places are still undecided, as Monaco and Lyon get vital wins, while now one of six teams could still end up being in Ligue 2 this season. After the penultimate round, we also have seen some decisive moves on the Ligue 1 chessboard. Montpellier fans will be crying crocodile tears as their rivals Nîmes join Dijon as the second team to be relegated, while it's party time at Casa de Pablo Longoria following Marseille, the Marseille president's wild celebrations as Marseille all but secure Europa League football for next season. On today's jam-packed show, we'll be having quick-fire discussions on PSG Rams, Lille-Saint-Étienne, Nîmes versus Lyon and Marseille versus Angers before previewing this week's Coupe de France final between PSG and Montpellier. I'm your host, Jake Smales, and this week I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by the returning Mohamed Ali. Good evening, Mo. Great to have you back, especially given Sunday's events at the Velodrome. <laughs> Yeah, obviously good to be back. I think the last sort of week or two of the season promised to be um, of great interest. Obviously, I think everything's still to play for as well. So it's it's really opportune time to be back. Absolutely, it is. And I'm also joined this week by GFFN's co-features writer, Adam White. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, exciting end to the season. I'm really excited, as much excited about the relegation battle as I am about the title. It reminds me of that, that season Monaco got relegated well, nearly 10 years ago now, about 10 years ago, when in the final day of the season, there were so many teams that could have finished in 18th. It's kind of a similar, similar thing. So, yeah, exciting times in the next week or so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Still much to play for in all areas of the table. Um, let's jump in uh, straight away to the events at the top of the table, shall we? Um, and we'll start at the Parc des Princes. Paris Saint-Germain welcomed Rams uh, to Paris, knowing that if they failed to match Lille's result, Les Dogues would be crowned league champions. A potentially nervy evening for Les Parisiens was quickly made more straightforward, with Yunus Abdelhamid conceding a penalty and being sent off for handball after denying Kylian Mbappe the opening goal, which resulted in Neymar coolly converting the penalty. Some sloppy Rams passing then led to Mbappe doubling PSG's lead with his 40th goal of the season in all competitions. In the second half, Marquinhos made it 3-0 from a neat turn and finish. Um, sorry, Marquinhos made it 3-0 from a header before Moise Kane rounded off the scoring with a neat turn and finish. 4-0, the final score. Um, Adam, as far as penultimate games of the season in a title title challenge go, this is pretty much... Uh, a dream scenario for PSG after just 15 minutes the pressure's off um, I think they had 28 shots in total compared to just two for Rams yeah. it looked like a walk in the park for PSG yeah it was I mean <clears throat> this is a I, I feel like I've seen this PSG game about 100 times you know where they they're at home it, perhaps it's been slightly different this season without crowds but where you know it really is a story in the park and they're playing against a team who had very little if not basically nothing to play for and were were, were sort of weekened by that Abdul Hamid sending off really relatively on it was it was you know 4-0 it was probably you know at the lower end of what was expected after that that sending off um 
after what 10 minutes it was uh for the for that neymar penalty which was the coolest penalty i think even by neymar standards the way he sort of so nonchalantly rolled in a pass right which is actually a decent you know penalty penalty stopper um yeah so definitely um very very comfortable for psg in, in a classic park de france home home game kind of style um the sending off frustrated me a little bit i sort of try, i sort of sat there and, and tried to tried to reason with myself as to why you know could i could i get is there a way that that could not be a sending off but i think unfortunately i felt like i felt like it was sort of accidental he's sort of sliding across and his arms are sort of propping him up and it hits him on the hand i'm not entirely sure the ball's even going in but um, I guess it, you know, by the letter of the law, he's prevented a goal and, and with his with his hand and in theory. So yeah, sending off and, and a slam dunk with PSG overall. Yeah, it is one of those one of those decisions that I think could could perhaps have gone have gone either way. Um, I must admit, in real time, it didn't it didn't look particularly it looked pretty innocuous. I thought, but then, you know, when you slow it down and you see that the, 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 his his hand really does impede the, the path of the ball, I guess you can understand why the decision was given. Um, Kylian Mbappe scored his his 40th goal of the season in all competitions. As I mentioned, that's that's his his highest scoring season in all competitions, and he becomes the first Frenchman to achieve this for a club in Europe's top five leagues since well, someone in the 90s. Um, does anyone ha- want to have a guess who uh, he's? So Mbappe, first first Frenchman in Europe's top five leagues to score 40 goals in all competitions. Does anyone know who was the last to do so? Trezeguet. It was not Trezeguet. Mo? Is it Papin? It wasn't Papin either. It was one hit wonder for France uh, in the 98 World Cup. Stéphane oh, no. Vivarch for wow. 40 goals, really? Yeah, apparently so, according to, to the is... GFFN account. Shared a thing from, uh, from Stat du Foot saying that, that that was the case. But yeah, I, I didn't realise it was so many. So, yeah. <laughs> Get um, on to some Newcastle fans and let them know that happened. Uh, make them very, very, very happy to, to hear that. Exactly, exactly, and it makes makes it somewhat more understandable, I think, retrospectively, for those who, those of us who maybe didn't pay too much attention attention to the '98 World Cup while it was on, while he was while he was a uh, you know playing a big role for. Well, for yeah, it's it's it's. I'm just sorry, I, I I couldn't believe it, and I quickly had a Google, and you're absolutely correct. Wow, wow, 47 in the '97-'98 season, in 63 appearances. Wow. Well, I didn't want to go in the team. <laughs> no one. That's 17 in Europe. That is. That is excellent. Well, I think the rest. Of the, I think listeners. I think we know what we'll be doing with the rest of our evenings, watching some some Stefan Givarch <laughs> yeah. compilations of of that season for sure. Um, um, Adam, you, you mentioned there that the Rams are, are safe, but of course, um, as you alluded to at the top of the show, you know the re- the relegation battle is so close. You've got Rams on on. 42 points in 13th and then beneath them you've got Bordeaux on 42, Strasbourg on 41, Brest on 41, Lorient on 41 and then Nantes on 40 currently in 18th despite four wins in a row by the way and, and all the goals they've been scoring so it really is an incredible relegation race. Um, yeah I, I was a bit optimistic on Rans's uh, position there wasn't I, I didn't I completely neglected to to mention that they're, they're still within a shout of 13th aren't they still within a shout of going down so yeah, yeah but, a little bit more to play for than I was letting on it's an, it's incredible that they are you know because it it does feel like they're a team who 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 seems safe so long ago and you think that the the classic stereotype of 40 points being a safe bet in the um in a 20 team league but but yeah it really isn't the case this season so 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 with that in mind um, and I guess perhaps for Rams, for example, despite being the top of that pile, 
given the performance that we saw against PSG um, at the weekend, which of course was was aided by by the sending off. But I'd like to ask you both who you feel um, who you feel of those teams is in the biggest danger of of finishing in 18th and and thus being in the relegation playoff spot and having a chance of going down. Just a quick update on fixtures for the listeners. Uh, Rams play Bordeaux uh, in, I guess, a potential relegation death match next Sunday, um, as do Strasbourg, who play Lorient. Um, meanwhile, Brest have the unenviable enviable task of hosting title-chasing PSG, and Nantes are at home to Montpellier. So, yeah, um, guys, take take some time if you need. But I guess, Mo, I'll, I'll come to you first, uh, given yeah. that you're our resident modelling expert. Who who do you see uh-huh. finishing it's, 18th? It's, it's really, really tough. And I think it's, um, first of all, I think for the, the playoffs this year are going to be quite uh, interesting because I felt like the playoffs since it was introduced, obviously there was, there was none last year, but there is a bit of a mismatch in the league and club on, on more often than not keeps its place in the league. Um, I think it was the first edition where Trois B. Lorient did, did, you know, was there a switch in in, in places um, with the third place team going on to be promoted. And I think Toulouse in particular, Ligue 2 could feel very hard done by in not achieving automatic promotion and um, could definitely pose a big threat, especially with fans back, hopefully by the end of the month, to, to any of these struggling clubs. And I think the way sort of, you know, the table... Uh, fits up at the end of the season. I think it might be Brest or Rams. Um, Brest, uh, you know, in particular, are, are I think going on to face Paris. Um, mm-hmm. And the teams below them, in particular Lorient and Nantes, have had you know awesome records, definitely in the in the top six or seven in the form table alone over the past five games. Um, so there will be, um, you know, they will need to put off a performance of a lifetime while also perhaps denying Paris Saint-Germain the title. I think that, in particular, is going to be a fascinating game because, um, you know, there's just so much on the line. And I think also Rams, and they look quite meek, as, as we did quickly discuss, um, and they're going to be playing a Bordeaux team who um, is a little bit, you know, wary of the enormity of the situation. They could yet obviously be relegated, um, you know, for off-the-field issues. But, you know, they they faced... Um, you know, high-flying teams in Rennes and Lens recently, and and pulled off fantastic results. You know, it was a very uncharacteristic performance by them yesterday in the fact that they did actually play well, play as a cohesive unit. Um, and they face a Rennes team who are a little bit bereft, I think, at the moment. Uh, it's going to be a lot of movement. Obviously, it's going to be a multiplex. It could be a huge amount of movement, but those two in particular, it would be a shame if either of them go down because obviously Europa League is where Rams began the season and Brest were heavily praised in the first 10 or so games, if you remember. But I, I think, you know, the other teams have just got enough about them at the moment. Interesting. Adam, what's your take? Yeah, I, I, just, I think I, I agree a lot with a lot of what Mo said, but I think I've just figured out why I was com- sort of confused on, on Rams's position. Because it's a long weekend. Um, I think on Friday night, I think I, I think I worked out that Rams are very close to being effectively safe because for them to still go down, they would need Bordeaux, Strasbourg, Brest, Lorient, and Nantes to all finish above them effectively, wouldn't they? They could say drop to 18th, and that's pretty much impossible because Strasbourg play Lorient. 
So there, because Rans are on 42 points and Strasbourg are on 41. So they ha- for, the, for the, both of those teams to finish above Rans, which would have to happen, they'd have to draw. And Rans' goal, goal difference is such yeah. is, is only minus seven, whereas Lorenz is minus 18. So Bordeaux would have to absolutely destroy Rans about 10 nil for them to be, you know, in trouble <laughs> of go- finishing 18th. So and I was trying to think like I thought Rons was safe. So yeah, it's sort of a slightly uh, sort of convoluted way to get there. But yeah, I think Rons would be okay, which is why I was sort of mentioning before. But um, I think, it's, like I said, it's been a pretty pretty long weekend. But um, I'm worried about Brest. I think, um, um, which is where the sort of the me and Mo Venn diagram sort of merges. I, I, I just because of the fixtures, I, I, I feel like you know they <laughs> PSG aren't going to be. Uh, aren't going to be uh, letting up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not. I remember that PSG played Caen on the last yeah, day of the season a few years ago, and that helped them stay up. I think they got a, maybe got a draw. Yeah. Maybe it happened twice. But, yeah, there you go. Ninety-first <laughs> minute. And, and they're not going to be in that that kind of mood today uh, or this this week. So, um, and given the other fixtures around them, then yeah, they they they're my tip to finish to finish eighteenth. Maybe just the only thing is that you know that that would mean that um, if Lorion were to you know avoid defeat and Bordeaux and Rons are fine and that means Nantes could only draw because their goal difference is only minus seven as well so that would push Brest down who you imagine would lose to PSG um, so yeah I think I think Brest are the ones in in trouble but I think they'd win the the playoffs um, which would probably be against Toulouse. Um, who've made some pretty astute signings from from Belgium, and they're, they're a good side. And Goran's done a really good job there. They're unlucky not to to go up automatically, to be honest, uh, ahead of Clermont, who have been really good this year too. But um, yeah, I think I think Brest would would have the beating of of, of Toulouse. So uh, yeah, Brest Brest might finish 18th, which is incredible. As as Mo said, they were so good at the start of the season. It shows how strong the league is this year if Brest do finish 18th. Yeah, because I think in previous seasons as well, you know, uh, finishing the season on 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 41 points, you know, wouldn't be a would would see you in the kind of mid table region. But but obviously this season, you know, the, the, though they are close to that right now, it, it it can take such a such a dramatic dramatic swing with just one match, given how competitive the season has been. But yeah, it's 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 wild to think back to kind of February time. I think when we were when we were seeing Dalolio linked to the Leon job, and and I think we had a discussion on this podcast based on the job that he was doing at that particular time of him being a potential manager of the season contender come come the end of the campaign. But um, yeah, it does seem to have fallen apart for, for Brest a bit. And I would have to agree and say they're probably the team I'm worried for um, the most, just given uh, the matches we see on the last uh, day of the season. And yeah, as you say, Rams, um, perhaps not mathematically safe, but it would take some kind of... Um, horrific <laughs> uh, whatever the opposite of a miracle is from a Rams perspective to take place on the final <laughs> for them to go down um, and and yes of course we should say as well with regards to Ligue 2 congratulations to to Clermont who have been promoted to Ligue 1 for the first time in their in their history I believe so amazing for them and um, and also yes to lose to play the winner of of Grenoble or Paris FC I believe in the in the Ligue 2 um, playoffs they play uh, midweek um, Anyway, let's move back to the top of the table um, and to league leaders Lille. Uh, they knew that four points from their remaining two games going into this weekend just gone would be enough to take the league on crown. Um, but this, of course, uh, pended on PSG's result. Uh, uh, if they beat PSG's result or better PSG's result against Saint-Étienne, they would have been crowned champions. Though many might have imagined the steely mastiffs of Lille 
uh, would take the game to lowly Sante. It was Claude Puel's men who enjoyed the clearest chances early on, with Mike Menon, Jose Font and Sven Botman all being called into action on several occasions from a de- defensive standpoint. An excellent save from Etienne Green then denied Luis Araujo for Lille, and the game remained goalless at the break. As the second half prog- progressed, Saint-Étienne continued to frustrate Lille, with Etienne Green producing a stunning save to force Yusuf Yuzici's effort onto the post. But Lille too were stretched, with their defence doing well to uh, lock out the visitors. The match went on to end nil-nil, with both sides feeling they had chances to win. Um, Adam, I'll come to you again on this one. Um, obviously an expected win for Lille, uh, which didn't uh, end up happening here. Saint-Étienne worked them hard and uh, could themselves have won here, no? Yeah, they, they absolutely could have. Um, I, I had I had a slightly, it was for, as from a Lille perspective, I was slightly more worried about this game than, than perhaps um, others might have been coming into it. And, and um, from a Lille perspective, if you want Lille to win the league, you know, the, the, the draw that PSG got at, at Rennes last week, was was a big was a big deal for for me as I really felt that this game would end in a draw and and I think Setien have been much improved in the last week so they've won five of the last seven away games I think something like that um and they're they're, they're they're and they've got a good squad you know if you look at their their pound for pound their squad is is a top half league and squad easily um probably top eight um so um and, and they're finally sort of getting their act together Pro's a good coach he's he's going to get there eventually. Uh, so yeah, I really felt this one was 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 a slip up, potential slip up for Leo, and you know, especially as Leo's perhaps one weakness is is perhaps struggling to break teams down. You know, we've seen them um, sort of uh, in these sort of close games that teams organise well and defend defend well and 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 are aggressive against them. Sometimes they can they can come up against a brick wall, and I was I was concerned this would happen there. Here, you'd imagine the game against Angers next week would be a much much more of a, a, a simple one. Given their form and, and Mulan leaving and 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 they're in mid table too with, with nothing to play for, so you imagine that that's the game that you were looking for the three points from. Um, but yes, and Etienne, good. And I have to say, I actually love Etienne Green. Um, nominative determinism at its best. Um, and he reminds me of of, of, of not just I do this quite a lot. His name a legend of the game, and and you know he's obviously not as good, but uh, at the moment anyway. But he reminds me stylistically of Ike Casillas, the way that. He pulls out these saves from from almost no more. He's just got sort of a presence about him. He's not particularly big. He's not like Thibaut Courtois, and he's not you know he's nine foot tall and, and claiming every cross and and you know you, you can't beat him because his arms are as wide as the goal. He's just got that something about him that you think he's just going to make this save. He's just going to pull it off somehow. His sort of reflexes are brilliant, and that one where he tips it onto the post that I think you mentioned. Um, he, it's such a good save, and and yeah, I, I think he's nailed on to be their first choice goalkeeper next season. When even when um, Jesse Mulan comes back who's sort of fallen off fallen off a little bit in form this season. And I honestly think the getting rid of Rufier was, was although it might work out for the best with Venetian Green, but that was probably a big, big chunk of why Sinetian fell off this season in the mid part of the year. Um, because Rufio was is still a great goalkeeper and Puel kind of made an enemy of him for, enemy of him for very little reason. So, um, yeah, um, I'm not overly surprised that this was a draw and, and, and Sinetian are an improving team. They'll be good next season. But uh, Leo will take the draw with, with Angers next week, I think. Yeah, Etienne Green. I mean, he he certainly looks like a more than apt replacement for for, for Stefan Ruffier and I guess I guess Jesse Moulin, who of course you know un, until the last couple of of seasons wasn't really considered a regular top flight goalkeeper. So yeah, very very um, impressed with with Etienne Green so far. Um, yeah, I, I 
I mean, you mentioned that obviously the next game, you know, you would think that given that Angers, of course, have nothing to play for and 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 given the potential lack of motivation there, given Stéphane Moulin's um, impending departure, that it would be, uh, you know, a, a, a walk in the park uh, for Lille. But I guess... I guess my question here is that Mo, do you, do do you feel that this is where the doubt starts to creep in? You know, did you get a sense from what you've seen of this one that maybe there are there were nerves in in the Lille side? And and I mean, Galtier said after the game at least there's suspense, but obviously that's not something that he'd want going into this weekend. You know, it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference considering that they probably would have still need the result next week. Um, you know, because of the the massive goal difference, yeah, they could have snuck it with a with a point but um, you know I think nothing is guaranteed um, as we've seen over the course of the last few games and I think particularly as you saw in the last 10-15 minutes um, they were just very keen not to lose um, and as the game wore on and the chances became fewer and far in between I think they were just happy to just get the job done in the fact that they have used their joker but they haven't really burned any bridges they know that it will be decided very likely in the final week. It's not like they were four points clear or, or something like this. Um, and that they, they live to find the day because the San Etienne did pick up a 1-0 victory. I mean, I think that would be that because of the huge goal difference between Lille and PSG. It is, in effect, one extra point um, if you look at it in, at another angle. And I think, you know, there was no frustration last night from Christophe Galt. He was very lucid. Um, especially the Lille players, you know, it's very clear that next week is a cup final um, and it comes against a side who are safe, um, who are, you know, have several players out, but also wallowing in their own misery, obviously, with the departure of Stefan Moulin. Um, and they know, these Lille players know that, you know, this is, you know, they've picked up 23 wins um, this season, one more. Um, against a team that they've got a decent record against who have nothing to play for um, and for them to prove that they do deserve the mantle of French champion. I mean, that's exactly the position they've always been wanting to be and they've got the opportunity to do that next next week because, you know, like I said, Paris do end up playing a very big game um, next week with a team that is literally battling for survival. So nothing is guaranteed whatsoever. At the end of the day, um, you know, it, had they picked up the victory last night, it, it would have given them a, a bit of breathing space, but you still would need to have to at least play for a point. And, you know, there's no guarantees next week that Andre uh, wouldn't, you know, essentially roll over for them. Um, so I guess, yeah, I know with, with all the sort of hype that's been building in the worldwide interest, um, it is a bit unfortunate. But I think that just you know, helps to refocus the mind, settle some nerves, and knowing that this Sunday, you know, everything could be put into place and they have had the opportunity to, to, to win the league. Um, so, yeah, good, good luck to them, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. It is all in their own. It is all in their own hands. It's nice to get some 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 positivity, Mo. I've been I've been festering over the last 24 hours. You know, obviously a win wouldn't have wouldn't have changed anything given given PSG's result. But I was like, is this is this the start of of it all collapsing in the final two games? But but no, you know, nothing. There's no element of 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 kind of bottling things in that game. They would have always needed a result 
going into this last one, as you say, and and um, if all goes well for them, they should get that result. So good luck to them. Um, just a quick one before we move on on Saint-Étienne, um, Adam. We've we've kind of questioned them at various points this season when they've gone on gone on these pretty shocking runs, and it's almost looked irreversible for 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 Claude Puel, but. You know they have turned things around again. You mentioned their uh, their recent away form, and I think they've um, in their last nine games they've lost to PSG, Monaco, and Brest, but then won five and drawn one of those. Puel does deserve a lot of credit for turning things around, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I I, th- I think this was this was perhaps always going to happen. It was just. He's got a lot of power at Setien, and uh, we're with the higher ups at the club, and you know he's um, he's you know he's got a lot of sort of a, a scope to improve things and change things and sort of mold the club in his own image, and he's done it before with with uh, with, with with Nice, and and he's I think he's I think he's a good coach, um, perhaps not suited to the Premier League, but in in Liga he's a, he's a he's a good coach and uh, keen to to bring on young players and 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 develop the club as a whole, and he knows the limitations of the of the current finances both you know coming in and 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 now and with with obviously with with covid and and the the tv rights situation although that's what's been okay for the last few few months but see what happens with the next season but um yeah i I think he's just he's just if if you give him time he's 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 a coach that will will right the ship if 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 supported and i think with they're well on the way to doing that and it'd be interesting to see what the team looks like next season because um, you know, you've got you've got uh, some players that perhaps are catching over bigger clubs. You know, Kamara and, and Nay have been really good in midfield. Um, Hamuma's close to Lorient, supposedly. He's 34 now. He, I think he's been really good this season. Does Kasri stay? I think if you keep if you keep him fit and 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 you know give him the give him the keys as 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 the, as the French say. You know, he, he's he's very capable of getting well into double figures in league and has been much better since going getting back into the team of late. So there's, there's a lot to build on there, and, and I wonder where if they lose some of those younger players, if they bring from more through, if they go big on a couple of of they can't really go big on you know big money signings, but some you know established quality to lead them through. Like Monaco have done so well with with players like Benyetta and Voland and Fabregas. Um, so, yeah, interesting interesting to next season um, with Sinetia and, and Puel, definitely the right man going forward, but for at least the medium term. Yeah, a, a team to watch for next season, I think, if they are able to keep the likes of Neu and Camara, and obviously we'll watch the developments of the likes of, of So, who, who who played a starring role in, in defence in this one. Um, and, of course, Etienne Green, yeah, a, a, a team to watch and, and glad to see Claude Puel uh, turning things around you know after as i say some some pretty pretty um some pretty hairy moments earlier on in the season and 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 disappointing runs um anyway let's uh move on to discuss sante's rivals leon um in a match which saw two sides still with everything to play for ol traveled to nîmes on sunday evening hoping to at the very least fight for champions league qualification while Le Croco were clinging to survival in 19th. Nothing but a win for the home side would do, and they managed to take an early lead after a Leon Howler through striker Musa Kone. However, it was all too good to be true. It was just a couple of minutes later, Leon were level through Lucas Paqueta. That goal opened the floodgates as Memphis Depay put Leon ahead, and Lucas Paqueta grabbed his second of the match as OL found the net three times in 15 minutes. Hussein Mawar added a fourth on 55 minutes, but Nîmes wouldn't go down without a fight, themselves grabbing a second goal again through <laughs> Mutsukone. No fairy tale comeback, though, as Slimani added a fifth for Lyon, who continue their battle with Monaco, 
for the podium. Final score 5-2 with Nîmes becoming the second side to be relegated from Ligue 1. Mo, uh, another big win for, for Lyon who have left themselves a lot to do, it's fair to say, in these last few games. But they're certainly ending the season with a bang, aren't they? Yeah, and I think this is exactly the sort of uh, sort of banana skin booby trap uh, that could potentially await um, you know Paris Saint Germain at Brest next weekend. And I think Lille, sorry Leon rather, came through with flying colours because you know Nîmes in particular needed a fast start, needed to control the narrative and control the game, um, and that shocked Leon into um, action. You know, um, very quick. Uh, three goals, in particular Lucas Paqueta, who has been um, in, in really good form since, you know, that uh, sort of wide-angle camera shot that we saw of him in the defeat against um, Lille, you know, um, the action that led to the Lille goal and him being very um, downtrodden. He's he's really come up trumps in the last three games, and I think that puts... Leon in in a really good position because they're finding goals. It's nine goals in their last uh, two games. Um, well, twelve games in their last twelve goals in their last three. Um, picking up really really good results. I just wonder if it's too little, too late. I mean, they've done the job. They've they've put Nimes away. Nimes are finally down, but Monaco remain, um, you know, in, in in very good form themselves. And there's just a point into it, and it'll be a shame, I think, for you know, for a team in any case. Not that I am praising Leon's, you know, I know some listeners may may have their ears uh, pricked at the moment, but um, it's a shame for any team who gets as close to 80 points to not be in the Champions League, because uh, that is in effect a wasted season. Because in most other seasons, that could be well enough to to win the title. But in this particular, you know. League and seasons in this whirlwind campaign that we have. I mean, Rudy Garcia would be very unfortunate to reach that record twice in, in three seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, their performance last night really, you know, showed that they can, they have the ability to to play at will. Kakare in particular also had, I think, another good game. Corne, uh, obviously, you know, much maligned. He also provided a, a good performance in, in the midfield um, where typically strong Memphis Depay reached the symbolic milestone while well, taking goal, 20 goals, 10 assists, a huge personal season for him. And, you know, off, off the pitch, he's, he sort of hinted at a, um, a departure, particularly if Leon do end up falling into the Europa League, a departure that very well may be actioned in the coming weeks. Um, and you're just going to have to look at, in March, the really um, annoying draws that they've had against Rams and Lens. And then the essentially bottling it to Lille because had they ended up winning that game, we could have seen a potential three-way or even four-way tie heading into the final day. Um, so I think the neutrals can definitely put a black mark on Lyon for that one. Um, I mean, what to say? I mean, they've they've done the job. They're in the waiting room. They have to buy their time. Um, and then they go on now to face Nice um, at home, a fixture that you know they've they've i think they've played nice a couple of times on the final day i remember in needing nice to uh, to beat leon to enable marseille to qualify for the champions league in 2018 um and leon put them away very very handsomely so i i think 
damage has been done. I cannot see um, Leon um, ending uh, the season in the Champions League. I know Monaco have a big week coming up with a potential trophy on the line. Their first in three seasons, four seasons, um, and then a, t- uh, a match away to Lens. Lens do have hope for the Conference League still, but this is a Lens side who are, I think, cooked at the end of the season, um, who've lost three games, who've only scored one goal, a far cry from, you know, the fantastic season. As I predicted, I did say I've been waiting for them to lose a lot of steam. Um, and it's finally happened at the worst possible time. So I think that should be a walkover for for um, for, for Monaco. And that puts Leon in a particular challenging position, obviously, given the, the summer constraints, given uh, the development of the squad, um, and of course, a couple of big departures. Um, it's a strong end to the season, but it's like I said, too little, too late. Interesting. Um, I mean, Adam, do you, do you agree with this? Obviously, as Mo alluded to, there it is a bit, very big week for Monaco, not only in that they have the, the Coupe de France final on Wednesday, but Lens, yes, look to have kind of lost some of that momentum, lost some of that energy from earlier on, but it's still travelling to Lens is, is a very tricky fixture and, and Lyon face a Nice side without uh, Alexis Claude-Maurice, who's now injured and has kind of been a creative spark for, for them in recent weeks. Do you think Lyon have a, still have a chance here? And and if they do finish in the top three, do you think that warrants Rudy Garcia keeping his job? Oh, um, I think I think obviously they still have a chance. I, but I agree with a lot of Mo said what Mo said about about Lons. Um, just regardless of the Coup de France final, I think Monaco would would still win at the weekend, and and obviously there's nothing Lyon can do about that. Um, and I think that yes, if, if I think I honestly think that Leon should have won the league this season. Um, if you look at their squad at the start of the year, you know when they were supposedly losing out to Arsenal and Dem- uh, Dembele. I know he went eventually anyway, but they kept him for the first half of the year and de- obviously departed to Barcelona. None of those happened. Then they signed Tino Cadewari from Le Havre quite early on, to be honest. But you know with a view to Dembele going. Uh, and they signed Pakatar, uh, supposedly as an hour replacement, and then none of those players left. They ended up with a very, very strong squad, and they've played the best football. I think over obviously their peaks have been higher than the rest of the top four over the course of the year. Okay, they've been they've had some lows as well, and Lille have been more consistent and Pats are more effective. But Lyon have played the best football, and they've got apart from PSG, with PSG only getting 79 points so far. You know, Leon. This was seasons. Leon's was Leon's that was there to win for Leon, and and I think the only person you can blame for them not, you know, they're only four points off the top at the moment. But they, in theory, they they could be well clear at the top if you if you look at those ten draws they've had. Mm-hmm. You know, even just win three or four of those, and and they're champions, and and they had the ability to do that. They had the squad to do that. They've clearly good enough to do that. They play the right. They play good enough football. They they've got the players, the talent. And I think the only person you can blame for that is Garcia. And um, um, uh, yeah, so I think that either way, even if they were somehow to usurp Monaco, I think that Gar- Garcia has, you know, um, perhaps his fate's already sealed because they, I, I, you know, this title was theirs, theirs for them to win. And you look at the sides above them, PSG have been, by their standards, pretty awful in Ligue 1. Lille weren't expected to, to obviously they're expected to make the top four there have been they've been up there the last few seasons but you know 80 points is a lot for them you know that perhaps that wasn't necessarily expected over the course of the of, of the season they end up with 83 if they win the league um and monaco who weren't expected to, to, to challenge at all you know transitional year under Kovac and all three of those teams have 
outperformed them in terms of points so far. So, yeah, I think Garcia should go regardless. And if I was a Leon fan, like I know Eric is, um, I'd be happy about Garcia going, but I'd be absolutely devastated that this opportunity missed because it's not going to happen again anytime soon. No, especially given the, the strength of the squad they have, as you say. Um, some some interesting managers being linked with the role, obviously the likes of Deserbi of, of Sassuolo in, in Serie A and Marcelo Gallardo as well of, of River Plate, who, who of course has won the Copa Libertadores with, with them. Um, so, yeah, and, and of course, Gautier as well um, and Patrick Vieira, which I think will leave some um, perhaps scratching their heads. But it's it's going to be a big, big summer for Leon, whatever happens. Um, just a, a couple of stats for, for the listeners before we move on to to quickly look at um, our uh, poor relegated Croco. Um, Paqueta, that's, uh, he only scored one goal in 2020 for Lyon, but has eight in 2021. Um, and that's his first brace in European football. Uh, two goals and an assist. Obviously, he's been a, a terrific signing for them um, and and more than proved, I think, his worth as a, as a potential Awa replacement. Uh, Ryan Cherky, meanwhile, has now uh, become the most capped player for Lyon uh, under the age of 18 in the club's history uh, with 42 appearances. Um, so very impressive for him. And uh, the final one, I think I think um, uh, one of you mentioned there is Memphis Depay, obviously reaching the 20 goal, 10 assist milestone. Mo, I think that was you. Um, obviously, his saga is going to be a very interesting one over the summer. Whatever happens with with Leon, if they qualify for the Champions League or not, he's actually posted on social media today. Memphis Depay announcing that he will take charge of negotiating future deals. I guess this is kind of similar to that approach we've seen in England with, with Kevin De Bruyne um, and, and the like negotiating their own, their own contracts or, or their own deals without, without intermediaries and without agents. So, so yeah, very interesting developments to be had there and at Leon in general. Anyway, uh, let's look at Neem. Um, I mean, yeah, Neem relegated now, uh, Mo, what next for them? I mean, do you think they should stick with Pascal Planck, given given some of the positive results they've had under under him? Um, and also, do you see them as being being capable of keeping hold of their their key players, the likes of Reno Ripa mm. and even Musa Kone, I guess, who, who actually has kind of gone under the radar, but I'm, he he is seven goals in in 2021 now for them. So so yeah, what what does the future hold for for Nîmes? Are they going to come straight back yeah. up, or or is it going to be a tough time for the club? Well, first of all, as we've seen um, in Liga recently, you're not guaranteed to come straight back up unless you're Metz or Trois, um, you know, who, like Norwich City in England, seem to have a knack for getting promoted and collecting the dosh and, and being in sort of some sort of really weird cycle. But, um, yeah, to answer your second question, I think Pascal Plonk has done a really decent job. I think only, yesterday was only the third defeat um, since the beginning of March. Um, and yeah, they will be annoyed at not converting some of the uh, draws that they've had to wins. For example, earlier in April, the, the 1-1 draws at Brest and Strasbourg, obviously relegation rivals, where they did take the lead um, and were unable to sort of hold on um, to, to the result. And then again, uh, I think two weeks ago at home to Rams, um, same thing, you know, take, put themselves in a really good position and end up uh, throwing it away. But this is a Neem side that still have the capacity to to shock. I mean, it's, it's not far, that long ago that they picked up really, really great results at both the, the Velodrome and the um, and Pierre Mouroir. 
um, and were very unfortunate to not get a result um, in a really, really crazy match against um, Monaco. And I think the damage was done with Jerome Arpignon, and I think Pascal Planck has absolutely studied the ship. They are, you know, scoring more. I think they've only failed to find the net once um, in since February, which is not a bad run of form for a, a team position where they are. Um, and I think he's shown enough credentials to at least stabilise uh, them over what should be a very challenging uh, close season and put them in a really, really good position to come straight back up next year. I think Neem, who I think were well festive when they got promoted about three years ago, um, have, have had a really decent run in in um, in Liga. I think their first season in particular were great. Um, Teji Savanier in particular, you know, they've, they've produced really, really sort of good moments and they've been a very, very good contender. On that, though, I mean, it's just unfortunate that they've been unable to kick on and obviously COVID and the ability to sign players has has really sort of screwed them over as well. They've got great players, Eliasson, Ferhat, um, Repa will, will all be, I think, the prime players to to leave. Briançon in particular, I think he's he's looked pretty good. The, the Norwegian defender, uh, Melling as well. They could, if they're not careful, um, really be in the midst of an exodus. And I think that just depends on the financial situation they find themselves in, um, you know, and whether whether they're able to to finance the squad accurately to to really have a pop at the, the second division title next next season. Um, and they've got some really good assets that definitely do not deserve, I mean, to to, to waste their key years in the, the second division. It'll be tough. Um, it'll be tough, but it's it's it's, it's going to be difficult for them. But in Pascal Planck, they've they've shown that they're able to um, put on a good cohesive performance to to uh, you know take the games to opponents and and as we saw yesterday, you know, still offer some relatively good attacking forays. And I think that was evidence last week with a. Huge win at away away to Mets. Um, good luck to them. Um, it's not going to be easy, and I think it really, you know, as much as you know, they'll be looking to plunk. It really depends on the boardroom as well um, for really good, smart decisions to be made, um, so that they aren't one of those clubs who struggle to get out of the second division and then end up wasting what good progress they've made by um, by you know being unable to to find. That promotion, and as we've seen in the last couple of years, you know, very, very good teams like Gangon, Amiens, who were promoted last season, uh, sorry, relegated last season, Kong, um, long mainstays in the uh, in the top flight, only just missing out on relega- uh, relegation to the third tier. They will obviously very, seek to avoid that, and it's going to be a challenging summer for them, but good luck. Yeah, good luck to them. As, as you say there, Mo, Ligue can be can be a brutal place. Um, but I do think that if they, I think in Planck they've got a clearly got an, an astute coach who's who's been able to study the ship, as you say, and and some talented players there. You know, it's only a, f- a few years back now that that Ferhat was uh, delivered a, a record-breaking season in in league, at least in terms of assists. So if they can keep him and the likes of of uh, Repar, who's obviously uh, pretty talismanic for them, given given his his longevity at the club. Hopefully they can uh, they can come back up. I like Nîmes; they're a, they're a fun club, and um, yeah, I like the 
I, I like them a lot, especially when they get trolled by uh, their rival uh, rival team's players eating crocodile sweets, as whoever it was, Andy Delors, I think, did that <laughs> in for Montpellier recently. Um, um, I like I'd like to see more of that going forward. Anyway, we've covered uh, the relegation battle. We've covered Champions League. We've covered the title to a certain extent. Let's move to the Europa League action. Marseille hosted Angers on Sunday, knowing that fifth would definitively mean Europa League qualification, thanks to both PSG and Monaco, the Coupe de France finalists, sitting pretty in the other European places in the league. OM started brightly, with Arkadius Milik scoring a ninth-minute opener, while the rest of the first half proved relatively uneventful. Almost immediately after the break, Milik added his and Marseille's second, with the game looking comfortable for OM. And yet, Milik's goal seemed to awaken the beast within Angers, who clawed a goal back through Matthias Pereira-Lage. Things then went from bad to catastrophic for OM, as Angers found an equaliser just five minutes from time after some comical carnage in the box. However, in the 95th minute, goal scorer uh, for Angers, Romain Thomas, went from hero to zero as he gave away a late penalty that saw Milik complete his hat-trick and Marseille secure the win and in all likelihood given other results Europa League football uh, the full-time whistle saw Marseille president Pablo Longoria in the stands I don't know what he was doing what you would call that move I think I'll just call it the Pablo Longoria but some kind of half he seemed like he wanted to slide on his knees through the through the through the stand huge uh, huge result for Marseille uh, Mo and another San Paoli thriller. I mean, yeah, they're certainly certainly very watchable these games uh, from a neutral perspective. Probably a bit of heart and mouth uh, from an OM uh, perspective. Um, Marseille made hard work of this one, but it's a crucial three points that that in all likelihood see Marseille qualify for the Europa League, given um, the uh, other ramifications elsewhere in the table, isn't it? Yeah. Um... I think it was a a really good result. Um, uh, obviously, coupled with what happened elsewhere, it really does mean that barring a huge collapse, of, I think I think it's eight eight goal swing. Um, you know, Marseille should play Europa League group stage football, and I think that will help a lot with some of the planning. I've been actually been very interested to see a couple of threads by people that are far more in the know than I am about the finances. Of the club and actually how, uh, given amortisation, you know, amortisation and um, you know, Champions League revenue about 45 million euros from from a participation. This is a Champions League that actually, OM um, coupled with a couple of big departures uh, this summer, big salary players such as Alicia Manapoli and Tolvan will actually not make that much of a huge loss as has been the case for the last three or four years, and therefore gives them a leeway in 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 signing uh, decent players, obviously making use of the loan market this this summer. And I think Europa League group stage football, particularly the new Europa League format, which begins this September, which will largely feature teams from the top 10 or so leagues, coupled with those teams that get eliminated in the final round of the Champions League qualifying. I think that sets up the competition to be a very, very strong second-tier competition, quite akin to what we currently see in Europa League in the knockout stages. And I think, with all honesty, that's where Marseille's level is at the moment. You know, had they been somehow in the running for Champions League football this season, um, 
given the unbalanced nature of the squad and perhaps the low quality that we're seeing in, in some positions, I don't think that it would have been too dissimilar to what they endured in the Champions League already. Um, but the Europa League offers a really good opportunity to pick up uh, wins and confidence and, more importantly, coefficient points as well. Um, so last night's result really put OM um, in a very good position. Arkadiusz Milik, eight goals in 14. Um, already the club's joint top scorer in, in Ligue 1 alongside Payet and Dolvan in, more than, in, le, in less than half the games. Um, actually has a better scoring record than the Neymar um, in particular at the moment, which obviously Marseille fans are revelling in at the moment. Uh, it's going to be a challenge to keep him this summer, obviously given the fancy footwork that Pablo Longoria had had um, done to, to get him in, in January. But the fact that you know, Juventus have long been touted as prime contenders, but Juventus themselves and absolutely nowhere near guaranteed Champions League football. So, you know, we could be celebrating a second Europa League qualification uh, this time next week um, for, for for our friends at Juventus, which will enable us to keep Milik um, for for at least another year. Um, but it was good. I mean, frustratingly, the defence have been really, really poor. Um, and Jorge Sampali has long spoken about this, in that Marseille are just not equipped and the quality is not there to play in it the way he wants and in the defence is um, sort of a quite a clear uh, personification of that I mean some of the goals that we've been conceding recently have been very very poor uh, Steve Mandel is no longer as commanding as he was in his, in his area and Hiroki Sakai has lost a lot of quality since his sort of peak um, in about 2018 and 19 as well um, it, lots of very very limp goals being conceded then and it almost was, um, having having been really controlling the game, um, should have really been three, four up. Dimitri Pai and Arkady Schmilik in particular were huge creative forces. Um, they allowed Angers a way back into the game, obviously, because some assistance from the VAR, Jorge Sampaoli, then took his frustration and was unfortunately sent off. So I imagine he'll be watching far, from afar next week. Um and Florian Tovan, in his final game of the Sad Velodrum after eight years, um, was unfortunately invisible um, for, for much of that performance. And I think while there are specks of quality, um, it, there does really need to be a bit of a change uh, this season. And he started Sam Pauli with the early sort of um, dismissal from the main group of Velodrum, who's on his way out. Uh, Michael Cuisance, who's about to go to Bayern Munich. So, you know, then, you know, Saifedin Kawi, who I think has been a really decent utility player for OM, not really beginning this chance, did have a sort of a small boon in January um, in his performance. But, you know, they are players that are quite clearly earmarked as being incompatible with the direction that Marseille are going in. And I think tougher decisions are going to be made coming forwards. Um, and that will be really, really interesting because Marseille are stuck in a bit of a rut. Uh, we've said this. Um, yes, Sampaoli has picked up, I think, seven wins, six or seven wins in ten, um, which is exactly the sort of form that you'd hoped that he would get. And, and the main objective has been secured. Um, so it is going to be one final run out at Nets next week in what should be a dead rubber Um and for some of these players, it'll be their final game 
for the club. And do you know what? Some of them might not even know it yet. So that will be very interesting to see. It will indeed. Um, and yeah, just to, to, to touch on on one of those players who, who you've mentioned there, obviously Florian Tovan. We we mentioned that his uh, confirmation of his move to, to Tigres this summer in the last episode, but wanted to wait till you were back to to get some 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 proper discussion on this or proper thoughts, I guess. Um, you know, Tovan, what, 281 games for Marseille, mm-hmm. 86 goals. Um, obviously, I think a lot of us will have memories of that of that 26 goal season when when Marseille qualified for the yeah, Europa League final against Atletico Madrid, and when when um, Jacques Henriero was 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 dismissing any any potential transfers with him under the valuation of like 80 million euros. Um, you know, th- this is a guy who who is is an icon of Ligue 1 and, and an icon of Marseille. Obviously, he's. He's had his injury problems in recent seasons and not quite reached those those heady heights again, as you as you said, Mo. Not not perhaps not the best send off in terms of his performance. Um, but but two things on him quickly. Yeah, one just your thoughts on the move and 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 on Tokban as an OM player in general. And and secondly, do you see who do you see as a as as potential replacements? Is there anyone you see as as someone who who you would like to have in as a as a replacement for Tovan at OM? Okay, so he it is it is peculiar for someone that's just turned twenty eight, supposedly in the prime of his career to to go off to um, Mexico. Um, I know Andre Pierginiak made the same move six years ago, although he was approaching thirty and was I mean I, you know I love Giniak and this is by no means meant in disrespect was not as massively. Um, central to the team uh, for as long a period as Torvan was. Uh, you know, Junior did have that really good season on the BL, so I think got 20 league goals. But, you know, a lot of us do remember the, the early sort of three, four years where he was practically um, enjoying the same status as Valencia Man. I think that's the way that you could uh, put it. Um, so it is peculiar. And he's, he's given some reasons in that, you know, Marseille is a very draining environments and being sort of the, one of the key players in their environment for many a year has sort of led him to be exhausted and I think just as all of us all of us average Joes um, have reflected in our own personal lives over the past 12 months in a very weird time um, he's, he's opted for um, enjoyment in a new environment in a new um, football setting and you know he is I think the biggest transfer the Liga Max has 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 made um, and you know there, there are worse places to be in the world he's not only going to you know be earning a bumper salary but will has the opportunity to really shape that that country's football culture and, and really sort of emulate Andre Biaginac who is you know in, in Mexican football terms a, a living legend um, and fair play to him, you know, those are the reasons. And we do have fantastic memories of him, you know, in, in the absence of the, the, the grand attacker, as, as Owen fans love to say, you know, for many years, um, Florian Tovan has essentially uh, filled that role. Um, you know, it's the club has grown together with him. Uh, they rescued him from the Newcastle Nightmare. Um, and he ended up repaying with with lots of lots of goals, 
Um, personally for him, it helped him enter the France squad in which he is now a world champion with. And in uh, for Marseille, obviously, the distinction of leading his team to a European final. It, there is some sort of disappointment or sadness in that he couldn't replicate his form elsewhere in Europe. I think the Newcastle career remains a black mark for him in particular with scouts and decision makers across Europe because you know this is a guy that was getting you know as as good a stats as Depay has been this season um but did not really get the credit I felt um you know the best offers that had come in for him were about 30 million euros from mid-table Premier League clubs or or AC Milan and Valencia trying to achieve a cup price deal and this was at the height of his sort of form in, in 2018-19 whereas you know in Ligue 1 it's very very easy for one player to have a really good season and go for quite big money um, to, to a Premier League side or a top European side um, so there is I guess some disappointment and resentment and there, are, there, is, there is certainly some resentment from Marseille fans who, who have said you know you could have at least just signed a contract to help the club financially uh, for someone that did you know attempt to um, sort of say I'll be staying here for life I'm staying here for as long as I'm wanted and had initially this time last year carved out a future very similar to Dimitri Payet who is now on the contract for life and, and Stefan Danda who is widely expected to sort of move upstairs obviously you know he's much younger than them but that was the sort of territory that was hoped for him um, Ligan will miss him um, I think he is a very good winger with blessed with a lot of qualities and you know, his sort of trademark goals cutting off the off the wing and then curling one towards the top corner um, will will be missed certainly by us. Um, and it's very hard to find a player that can replace him. Um, so I'm not entirely sure that I can answer your second question because it mm. might be that Jorge Sampaoli will be looking in completely a different um, direction, having played Tolvan in the right side of a three-man midfield. Uh, whether he instead will feature or play narrowly in that 3-5-2-5-3-2 going forward because Pollirola has performed so admirably um, in the last three months on the right wing, you know, providing the attacking impetus, but at least having the ability to track back, whereas Tolvan has largely looked disinterested. I mean, this season, even with Andre Villas-Boas, um, Tolvan had been subbed off quite a few times, you know, around the hour mark. Um, did not finish 90 minutes, etc., and really, you know, came in and out of games um, since Marseille sort of descended into the chaos that they did after you know, after, after Christmas. Um, so it remains to be seen. Uh, good luck to him, um, and yeah, uh, we'll, we'll be missed. He he will. I think even from a neutral perspective. Um, his day, his 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 day has has come less than uh, less than perhaps we would have expected, uh, given that purple patch he had a couple of years back. But uh, um, very much a league gun icon of, of of this decade, you have to say, and 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 on his day, a, a really tremendous tremendous footballer. Um, we will, I'm sure, discuss Angers uh, in great length. Uh, next weekend, given that whatever the outcome, we will be discussing uh, Lille's last match of the season. So we will come to them, them then because I am, of course, keen to move on to the Coupe de France final uh, as on Wednesday night, Monaco faced PSG at the Stade de France to contest 
um, the uh, showpiece game, if you like. Um, Monaco at the weekend, they held on uh, onto third place thanks to a narrow victory over Inform Ren. Um, Adam, PSG without um, without Kimpembe and, and Neymar for this one. Um, I've been reading some 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 speculation that says that PSG have have contested uh, these suspensions. So we'll see uh, what the situation is perhaps on Wednesday. But but given those potential absences and and given Monaco's recent two nil victory over PSG and the fact that this PSG side do still have uh, a potential title to win on the weekend. Do you think Kovac and, and 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 the Monaco players perhaps have a slight edge here? Yeah, I, I've been. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago when I was last on about that I, there was a double on for Monaco at one stage. And you look at this. If you look at 2021, they've been the best team in in France for me. Um, and you're right. Without without Neymar, without Kimpembe, possibly Pochettino is a bit coy on whether they were going to contest those those uh, suspensions where well, I imagine they probably will. Um, and, you know, Verratti's obviously out too. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's a win here for Monaco. And, and uh, I think that they're, they're set up to beat PSG. They've beaten them twice already this year. They'll be, they'll be well aware of both sides. They'll be well aware of that. And, and Monaco are fantastic in both, both games against PSG, especially the home game when the tune of down and came back to win three, two Fabregas came off the bench brilliant in the second half. Um, Monaco uh, hitting hitting form at sort of the right time. They sort of maybe maybe sort of plateaued a bit in the last few weeks after that after that defeat to Leon and, and around there maybe getting a little bit tired. But um, you know they haven't played more games than PSG this year, that's for sure. Um, and I yeah I I honestly it's difficult to say in, in any domestic French game that a team is favourites against PSG, but Monaco are as close to favourites as you're going to get against against PSG and 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 of any team for the last five or six seven years. So um, yeah I I'd be extremely hopeful if I was them and um, yeah I, I think they deserve to 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 win a trophy this year given how good they've been and it'd be amazing to see PSG finish the year with not just not winning the league but you know, without a trophy at all, that'd be catastrophic. And to be honest, they've only got themselves to blame. Um, and by themselves, I mean Leonardo and Nassau Khalifi uh, for sacking Thomas Tuchel for effectively no reason in the middle of the season, um, mainly due to the, the, the relationship between uh, uh, Tuchel and, and, and Leonardo, which which was sort of fell apart. And, and Tuchel also kind of has himself to blame by being so belligerent in the press about transfers and stuff. He didn't need to do that. That, that kind of contributed to that. But... I felt that if, if if they'd stuck with him and they'd been civil and maybe they made a decision at the end of the season, I think PSG would probably be winning the league and they'd, they'd probably be favourites here as well. And who knows, they may have even um, edged into the into the final of the Champions League. Who knows, maybe not against Manchester City, but I think they'd have a better chance of the way that you know Chelsea have been playing and now quickly took has got them got them playing. So, um, yeah, huge fan of Kovac, huge fan of Monaco. And I think there's a there's a trophy here for, for Le Monagas uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a neutral, I suppose a neutral, perhaps I'm, 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 I'm somewhat biased even just by saying this, but I do agree. I do feel that that the the, the great work that Kovac has done and and this side that he's that he's managed to build so so quickly uh, this season deserve uh, really deserve something something more um, more this season, um, and it would be tremendous if they were able to do uh, something here. And my mind does unfortunately flash back to I think it was. Um, 
I think you might have mentioned this at some point, Adam, or somebody mentioned this on the show a few weeks, a, a couple months ago, when um, when PSG played Monaco in in the Coupe de la Ligue final, I think in 2017, or and and I think that PSG won four one or something like that. It was a it was an emphatic win. So um, hopefully not uh, not a repeat from that. Hopefully a, hopefully a more competitive match uh, in that regard. Um, Mo, I'll, I'll give you a bit of time uh, to think on this one because it's it's perhaps a tricky one. And n- normally I would ask when a team comes up against PSG, as they're usually usually the underdogs, you know, where can where can this team hurt PSG? Um, do you feel they have a weak spot going into this one? And I think the answer is kind of obvious from that perspective. If PSG are missing Kimpembe, uh, Neymar and, of course, Verratti. But what about from a Paris Saint-Germain perspective? Where do you think they'll they'll look at this Monaco team and think, okay, this is this is a key area that we can that we can exploit or a or a, an area which we feel we have the advantage and that advantage could be key in us going on to to win the match. Um, if that's too much, then I guess who uh, who or or which area of the pitch do you feel could be the difference for PSG? I think I think Adam and Eric um, mentioned it very well in the the article for for the Guardian to in that Monaco are a very fortunate team. Um, they pop up in the right places and when a chance present themselves, they, they put it away with with precision. Um, but it's more often than not. Um, some of you know, the opponents or, or, or a, a poor sort of defensive situation that enables Monaco to capitalise on these opponents wanting. And I think uh, PSG, you know, we've spoken quite extensively um, across across the world, even um, over the last couple of weeks, where there've been issues with concentration, there've been issues with uh, letting the game run away from them, and you know, losing their their metal a little bit. We saw that in both legs against um, Paris. We saw, uh, sorry, Manchester City. We saw that in a game against Rennes. They were very, very fortunate to to, to go past uh, Montpellier. Otherwise, this would have been a very, very difficult conversation. So that is where it's not so much a weakness of Monaco. It's it's really trying to have the wits about them. Because for rarity, it's them that actually needs to be 110% for this cup final because they very well might be for the first time discounting a trophy de champion trophyless um, and that would be quite the watermark for for them um, having had their sights on a quadruple and obviously or rather treble and uh, coming so soon after that maiden Champions League final where it was supposed to be the first season of a new horizon as a, as a super club uh, a bona fide super club um, with San Benito has reached new heights for Monaco and I think he'll be raring to go Monaco in particular um, looked have looked very very good in the cup save for that awful um, reverse against Lyon and you know a, a proper, properly innocuous defeat against Strasbourg they've, they've really looked very very sharp against all pretenders uh, in 2021 and I don't think that that will be uh, changing any time soon um, they are a very good team. Uh, Niko Kovac has built a, a, a team uh, where you know they are tactically sound. They're working all for each other. There's many, many pretenders in that team who uh, deliver for the club. Um, 
and Paris Saint-Germain really do drift as a sort of a team of individuals. Um, and had it not been for Kylian Mbappe, who has shouldered sort of quite a lot of pressure, particularly in Neymar's absence, um, as we saw in the Champions League, if he's having an off night, there's, you know, 95%, the, the rest of the team will do so as well. You can't see, particularly with Neymar gone, um, potentially, who will step up in his absence. Um, so it will be it will be tight, tight for them. It will be, I think, a very, very tight cup final. Um, and it, I think, on paper, at least it will be 50-50. With, with that in mind, uh, let's get some score predictions in. Adam, how do you see this one playing out? Well, uh, goals, uh, I'm going to go 3-2 Monaco. Wow, I like it. Okay. Uh, and Mo, what about you? 2-1 Monaco. Okay, I'll 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 meet somewhere well somewhere in the middle in terms of the uh, putting some of the emphasis back on PSG. I guess I reckon Monaco will lead. Paris Saint Germain will get an equaliser, but Le Monégasque will win on penalties. Um, flashes, I guess, of that of that Coupe de France final a couple of years back, where where Rennes beat PSG on on penalties. Um, but yeah, big big uh, game on Wednesday for PSG to. Um, potentially their only chance to win a trophy this season, depending on what happens the weekend after, and a huge opportunity for a very talented Monaco to cap off a tremendous season. Um, That is all we've got time for today. Uh, Many thanks to Mo and Adam for joining me. As always, please check us out uh, on Twitter at GFFN for all the latest news from the world of French football. And please check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com, for all the content on the French game you could ever need. I'm Jake Smales, and I've been joined by uh, Muhammad Ali and Adam White. Uh, We will be seeing you next week when we know the league champions, the cup champions, and all loose ends are tied. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the football and have a great week.